Hi, I'm Roy Walkenhurst. And I'm Judy Brooks, and welcome back to Healing Quest, your healthy lifestyle show. Our focus is the latest in natural options to help all of us achieve that optimum well-being in mind, body, and soul that we're all looking for. Well, as we discussed before the break, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and that's an area of major interest for us here at Healing Quest. One aspect we're especially interested in is new ways of treating mental illness, and one of the most intriguing of those involves poetry as a healing resource. That innovation comes from Dr. Norman Rosenthal, a renowned psychiatrist and researcher. Dr. Rosenthal is best known for defining seasonal affective disorder, also known as SAD, which we've talked about here on Healing Quest uh, a few times. He's known for pioneering the use of light therapy to heal SAD. And now Dr. Rosenthal has created a new psychotherapy tool, a book that uses the power of poetry to heal mind, body, and soul. He's joining us from his home base in the Washington, D.C. area via Zoom. Hi, Dr. Rosenthal. Welcome back to Healing Quest. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Good to have you here. Your book is titled Poetry Rx and how 50 inspiring poems can actually heal and bring joy to your life. Now, So how do you plan on using uh, your new book uh, in treating mental illness? Well, I treat people in my office. Uh, I treat patients and I coach clients. And in either instance, oftentimes a poem will come to mind as potentially helpful for the problem at hand. So what I would do is to say, you know, would you like to hear a poem that I think has relevance to your issue? And often as not, they'll say, yeah, absolutely. It kind of takes the focus away from the intensity of the moment and says, let's look at it from another point of view. And sometimes that can be very helpful. I've never found it to be unhelpful. You know, it doesn't always, you know, people don't always jump up and say I'm cured, but (laughs) they always have something to think about. You know, it always seems to make a difference, changes the mood, changes the thought patterns, adds a perspective. So that's what I love about it. Well, that's a very interesting approach. How long have you been doing this? Uh, I would say for years now, 20 years in my practice. Well, Doctor, one of the, I think, uh, interesting facts, um, it's kind of a depressing fact, actually, involves depression as the leading cause of disability worldwide. And unfortunately, the rate of depression is not getting better. Between 2005 and 2015, the rate of depression increased by 18%. Why do you think depression is proving to be so hard to treat? Well, of course, there are theories. Nobody knows for sure. But one possibility is the income inequality. They've talked uh, about deaths of despair. uh, And this has been written about by economists. Uh, One is a former... Nobel Prize winner, and um, they have spoken about this. Uh, they pulled it out, they dredged it out of the uh, demographics of the country that more and more uh, middle-aged people are finding that they're not being able to accomplish what they had hoped, maybe to live better than your parents did. That was the American dream. And it's just becoming very difficult And I think these are a lot of the subjects that are being kicked around as political issues. Lack of childcare, cost of education, uh, 
people being overwhelmed, overextended, not getting their dreams met. That is, I think, uh, a big cause of what's going on here. But of course, it's probably not the only cause. And maybe some of it is just being more attuned to depression and being able to, to spot it more diligently. Well, I, I think it would you know be safe to say that given the last year, a little more than a year, um, it wouldn't be unusual for people to be more depressed than than normal. But these these figures, these these numbers, were already in play before we had the pandemic. So that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the pandemic, there are data showing that they've increased during the pandemic. I wouldn't be surprised. That that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, and and I. I'm imagining that it's going to continue on for a while because this has caused a lot of change. Indeed. You know, there's so many reasons for distress at the very least. People who've been sick, people who've lost people, uh, long haulers who continue to have symptoms that haven't subsided as they sometimes do. All these people could be quite unhappy with the situation. You know, in addition to depression, the two other most common mental illnesses are said to be anxiety and substance abuse. Um, in, in your experience, is that true? And, and how can poetry help treat those? Yes, absolutely. Um, if you think of the 12-step programs that are going on all over the country and all over the world, one way in which most 12-step programs end each session is with a so-called serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, that happens to be a prayer, but it could just as easily have been a poem. What we're talking about is words that have, for millions of people, fortified their ability to handle their addictions, uh, to realize what can I control the next drink. What can I not control? My vulnerability to alcoholism. I need to know the difference and I need to control what I can control, not lament the fact that, you know, my family has alcoholism and I'd better go have a drink. So it's been a very inspirational uh, poem, if you like. But I will read another one, if I may. It's yes, called The Waking. It's, it's called The Waking. It's by Nobel Prize winner Theodore Rothke. It has a musical form to it called the villanelle, which I won't have time to go into, but listen to it, because you'll hear alternating sentences that keep repeating themselves and create a very musical effect. I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. I feel my fate in what I cannot fear. I learn by going where I have to go. We think by feeling. What is there to know? I hear my being dance from ear to ear. I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. Of those so close beside me, which are you? God bless the ground. I shall walk softly there and learn by going where I have to go. Light takes the tree, but who can tell us how? The lonely worm climbs up a winding stair. I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. Great nature has another thing to do to you and me. So take the lively air and lovely 
Learn by going where to go. This shaking keeps me steady. I should know what falls away is always and is near. I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. I learn by going where I have to go. That's it. Villanelle. Brilliant Villanelle. And uh, it, it's a little bit tricky when you hear it for the first time. You hear the music, you hear the brilliance of the words and the phrases, but you have to delve a little bit. And that's really what my book is all about. It's trying to help people understand how can you extract the best out of this poem? How can you squeeze the last drop of juice out of the orange? And over here, what you're seeing is I wake to sleep. This is somebody who doesn't wake and jump out of bed dancing and singing. This is somebody whose mornings are very difficult and he recognizes that. He wakes into a state that's kind of like sleep. It's so, so it's very profound. I learn by going where I have to go. In the rooms, in the 12-step uh, rooms, 12-step meetings, people say action precedes insight. You know, sometimes you have to go against the classical analytic stance that you're going to first understand anything before you do anything and say, you know, I'm going to do something and then that's going to teach me something. When I wake up and I drink, the whole day is rotten. When I wake up and I call my buddy from the AA program, that's a good day. So I learn by going where I have to go. When you go the right direction, you learn good things. Brilliant poem. If you're just joining us, I'm Roy Walkenhorst. And I'm Judy Brooks, and you're listening to Healing Quest, and we're speaking with Dr. Norman Rosenthal about his new book entitled Poetry Rx, How 50 Inspiring Poems Can Heal and Bring Joy to Your Life. The collection was released this week, and it makes a powerful case for poetry as a healing medium. Now, we just heard a beautiful poem. It, it, just in listening to it, it kind of put me in a little bit of a reverie. I mean, I, you know, I, a I, trance. a little bit of a trance, and maybe that was because of the the musical stance to it, or, or maybe just the words. But I think it's also a a, a lesson at how poetry can work on many levels, not just the words themselves, but not just the meaning of the words themselves, but the 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 way in which the words work together uh, in in sometimes uh, to entrain you. Yes, I, I'm I'm glad you experience the hypnotic power of those words. They are wonderful. Um, so I think that uh, when it comes to mental health, one thing that I want to um, just bring to your attention is um, a poem by Emily Dickinson called, There's a Certain Slant of Light. I'll just read a few stanzas. It was very meaningful to me because that's when I was just cottoning onto the winter depression, the seasonal affective disorder, when someone sent me a letter and out of the letter tumbled this poem that had been typed on cardboard. Here it goes. There's a certain slant of light, winter afternoons, that oppresses like the heft of cathedral tunes. Heavenly hurt it gives us, we can find no scar, but internal difference where the meanings are. So here we are, this brilliant person writing in the mid-19th century recognizes that the slanted light on a winter afternoons oppresses, like when she's in a dark cathedral and the tunes are playing, 
there's a kind of a down feeling and we can't find a scar. We don't know where it is, but internal difference where the meanings are. And that's what a lot of my patients have said to me over the years. I wish that people could see that I was suffering like somebody with a cast on their arm or a broken leg. But the problem with me is it's internal. You can't see it. And therefore, I don't get the door held open for me. I don't get consideration because nobody knows how much I'm suffering. And that's part of the problem with mental health. It is uh, a hidden uh, injury. Also, there's a lot of stigma attached to it, unfortunately, still. And, and people don't always share that, what, what they're feeling and what they're going through. So it's hard that's to know. True. Yeah, that is absolutely right. You know, I know several researchers recently have emphasized the need for all of us to develop more empathy uh, for people facing mental health issues. You know, how, how much difference do you think that would really have in helping deal as a society with mental illness? Well, you know, empathy is such a powerful force. I mean, all of us know situations where somebody has empathized with us. You know, maybe we've done something we're ashamed of and we tell somebody and we expect to be chastised or criticized and somebody says, you know, I can understand how you wanted to do that. You know, it's just a human thing, kind of. You don't have to feel badly. There's, there's a wonderful poem here. You know, the poet Rumi is a great healer and he has a poem called The Guest House that encourages us to accept our feelings. Let's see if I can quickly find it here. Well, I can't and I won't keep you waiting, but it's a wonderful poem and it compares your mind with a guest house where every day a new feeling comes about that you need to accept and treat honorably as though they were guests in your guest house, uh, even if they're uh, shameful, even if they're dark and sad. Welcome them all, as he says, they may be sent as a guide from beyond. So um, if somebody can tune into those feelings and say, it's okay, we all have envy, we all have malice, we all have these feelings that we're not proud of. It's part of being human. Such empathy is, is in itself very healing. Thanks, Dr. Rosenthal. We've been speaking with Dr. Norman Rosenthal about his new book entitled Poetry Rx, How 50 Inspiring Poems Can Heal and Bring Joy to Your Life. The collection was released just this week, and it makes a powerful case for poetry as a healing medium. You can find out more about Dr. Rosenthal and his new book at normanrosenthal.com. That's normanrosenthal.com. Up next in our show, we're going to share with you one of our favorite ways to keep safe by using the proven power of silver to protect us from germs and viruses that are still a very big part of this world. And remember, podcasts of this and other Healing Quest shows are available at our website, healingquest.tv. And please follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Healing Quest. We love hearing from you. I'm Judy Brooks. And I'm Roy Walkenhorst, and you're listening to Healing Quest on iHeartRadio. Radio. 